1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. Welcome to Gone Medieval. I'm Dr. Eleanor Yanaga. One of the biggest joys for me about joining the History Hit family is hopping around onto our sister podcast to spread more medieval goodness throughout the History Hit network. So today, I've got something a little bit different on Gone Medieval – as I recently paid a visit to see Dr. Kate Lister to guest on her brilliant Betwixt the Sheets podcast. We had a blast talking about probably the most powerful and wealthy woman in medieval Europe, Eleanor of Aquitaine. Kate wanted me to dish the dirt on my namesake. Did she really have a love affair with her own uncle? What was her relationship with Saladin? And how did medieval society take to such a powerful and influential woman? I should just warn you up front that, as you'd expect from Dr. Kate Lister, the things we talk about and the language we use can get a little spicy. So you might want to brace yourself, or alternatively find another more benign episode of Gone Medieval to keep you going for the next few days.
0: Hello, and welcome to Betwixt the Sheets. It's only Eleanor Yanega. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. I am here to laugh at a reasonable volume and (laughs) once again, you know, bring the sexiest parts of medieval history to light. Thank you very much.
0: I've been lucky enough to snag you back to talk about one medieval heroine icon Mm -hmm. and your namesake, Eleanor of Aquitaine.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. My parents forced me into becoming a medieval historian by naming me jointly after Eleanor of Aquitaine and Eleanor of Castile. So I never had a chance. This is just all nominative determinism.
0: Are your parents proper medievalists as well?
1: No, they're just cool.
0: (laughs) 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 I love that. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about Eleanor of Aquitaine, but obviously there might be Mm. people here just going, I I don't know who that is. So we'll just start Mm. absolute basics. Page one, who was Eleanor of Aquitaine?
1: cast your mind back to the 12th century so she was born around about the year 1122 and she was first of all as the name indicates uh, the duchess of aquitaine which is a really really rich and incredibly important part of southeast france Mm. um so she was one of the first women to be a direct vassal of the french king
0: what does that mean vassal that she was a direct vassal what's that
1: good question so you know when people talk about the concept of feudalism feudalism is sort of not real it's kind of like a thing that doesn't really exist but there's the idea of this pyramid where there's a king at the top and then there are nobles underneath them and then underneath them there's peasants. Well, there is certainly a thing in France where you are a lord or lady, a duchess or possibly in Eleanor's case and you rule Right. Your little section of land, like think about it like a county. here, Right. And so you're in control of that and you have like, I don't know, peasants and serfs and things that pay you taxes. And then you are a vassal of the French king. So that means that when you take over your land, what happens is Eleanor of Aquitaine went and knelt at the feet of the king of France and put her hands Over her head. Right. In her her prayer thing. All been there. Mm -hmm. And then the king puts his hands over yours and then says, "Okay, you are my vassal. And so that means that, like, you know, you have to pay tax to him. If he decides to have a war, you're supposed to show up and bring, you know, five of your besties with horses and, you know, things of this nature. And it was really kind of unusual for a woman to take on this role. But by all accounts, Eleanor was just this phenom of a woman, like incredibly, incredibly smart, a babe. Or was she a fox? Mm -hmm. Absolute fox, apparently. Wow. Like, people would talk about it all the time. And she is so good at kind of, like, ruling her own duchy, and she's so wealthy and everything that she ends up marrying the king of France. Strong. Then that doesn't go so well because she's much smarter than him. And Um. uh, they, stop me if you heard this one before, but you know, they go on crusade to the Holy Land. It's like a really bad kind of holiday and they get divorced as a result of it.
0: If I had a penny for every time that's happened to me...
1: yeah and so so she comes back from holiday it is like that is it we are getting divorced holiday i love that you call it a holiday it is a holiday when you're like this is how rich people enjoy themselves in the middle ages they're like yeah, i'm gonna go over to the holy land for jesus and you know get my butt get kicked some crusade in them um. yeah so they divorced they divorced they divorced yeah so she wrote to the Pope. She's like, dear Pope, this guy's my cousin. Like anybody isn't cousins when you're royalty or whatever in the Middle Ages. Did she not
0: know that when they got married? How she? I gonna- mean, she extremely knew she it. Extre- yes. She
1: extremely knew it. Yes. But the Pope is like, yeah, OK, because whatever. Nobody's into this anymore. And like she was just not really having boys for Louis anyway. So it was a whole thing. So anyway, she divorces him. Eight weeks later, she marries Henry II, the King of England.
0: Fuck, man. She is busy.
1: Who oh, she's more closely related to. <laughs> she's more closely related to henry than louis which is very funny so she was the queen of france and the queen of england oh. and she is richard the lionheart's mum, who people have probably heard of she's the mother of uh, king john the yes. first uh one of our worst kings
0: he gets a bad rap doesn't he john he does, yeah. Actually. There'll be some historians out there that'll be hardcore John defenders, won't there?
1: Mm-hmm. And I actually kind of uh, agree with them because it was sort of like a terrible state to come in. And it, basically, you know, one of the problems that all these guys have Henry the uh, Second. A lot of times, people go, "He's a bad king." A lot of these problems are. It's like if you're putting these dudes up against Eleanor. Eleanor is so like on top of things, and she's so clever and really, really strong that she just makes everyone kind of look bad around her in comparison and you know partially because sometimes she'll be like saying to her sons oh you ever think about like revolting against your dad (laughs) you know (laughs) and things like that so she she inspires revolts against her husband
0: she marries two kings and gives Mm -hmm. birth to lots of other kings wow okay i'm gonna have to take this like down a bit here because i'm getting confused now with exactly how many kings are in and out of this woman's vagina is quite impressive
1: we've got like two kings but there was like one of them in between was also like a prince but he dies
0: raise your game ladies raise your game
1: yeah just an absolute phenom of a woman right Right. but when you are this clever and you know this garrulous one could say, you know, like by the time you're like, hey, boys, who feels like revolting against their dad, you know, and, and things of this nature. So she's really cool, like, obviously, but why are we talking about her on the sex mm. show? And the answer is because when you're this strong and you're this clever and you don't let men do whatever it is they mm. want, everyone was like, ah, uh, she's a slut. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, brackets, reclaimed word, like shout out to sluts everywhere. What a great thing to be. Keep it up, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Absolutely,
1: and all those in between.
0: <laughs> <Slug> wow, <pride. laughs> slut pride, man. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they, mm. do, they do. There is a long tradition of that, isn't there? Is that whenever a woman gets any kind of power, is the thing that is always attacked. If there's nothing else that you can go after, it's just well, she's a slag.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's quite interesting because, like, the stories about her being a slag a lot of time kind of revolve around this time that she went on crusade. Right? So she's on, more specifically, the second crusade. Is
0: this like, what happens on crusade stays on crusade?
1: Yeah, kind of. Okay. And it's like, she rallied a bunch of her own troops from Aquitaine to go. There are like some stories that she, say she actually led the troops like as her own general but we're not sure if that's necessarily true. Wow. Basically because the crusade was such a disaster we think that maybe people were like yeah and Eleanor was leading her troops and that's why everything sucked right you know it's a uh, it's a way of saying uh, she was ineffectual but actually Louis the King of France was just a really terrible general but one of the things that was happening is that like things had just gone bad in the Holy Land let's just say that okay yeah. you know like basically it turns out stop me if you've heard this one before but if you uh come from very far away and you want to take over a piece of land in the middle east it's really hard to hold it (laughs) because it's very far away i don't know if there's any lessons to be learned from that. surely not
0: surely people would have tried that once realized that it doesn't work and would never have tried to do such a silly thing ever again
1: absolutely not so they go over to try to kind of like retake bits that had fallen you know fallen quote unquote Mm. and were like no longer sufficiently French and she's like okay well what we are going to do is meet up with my uncle who is the prince of uh, Raymond of Poitiers and she's like we will get over there we'll see the lay of the land he's the local and he's going to figure out what it is we want to do and Louis the king of France is like no I'm going to march to Jerusalem and I'm going to retake it guess how that works out not well it doesn't yeah right So when they get back, this rumor springs up. It's like, oh, Eleanor wanted to see her uncle.
0: (gasps) It's gone a bit Game of Thrones-y.
1: Yeah. And so the rumor is that she was having sex with her uncle.
0: Is that a stretch? I mean, you know, it's a bit Targaryen-esque.
1: I mean, it probably is because the thing about it is basically Eleanor is too smart to do something that stupid. Like she knows everybody's looking at her. And also it's your uncle. And it's your uncle. Like, (laughs) Calm down, you know, and it's like, why would she do something that risky? Right. But these rumors kind of start swirling almost right away. And it's something that kind of comes up over and over and over again throughout her life. And then later, you know, she gets such a bad rap that historians and things later on, and and I'm talking kind of like uh, 13th century, 14th century, when people write about Eleanor of Aquitaine, they go one step further than this. And they say, mm, Eleanor wasn't having an affair with her uncle. Don't worry about that. She was having an affair with Saladin. <gasps> <gasps> oh. Which is really funny. Because absolutely not.
0: For anyone who isn't familiar with who who Saladin is, just...
1: Yeah, so he's the founder of the Ayyubid dynasty. And he is the one that like kind of like retakes the Holy Land from all of the Normans and is like, I think you'll find your French, please go home. And ironically, people really in the Middle Ages really liked Saladin. They thought he was cool. Like he's homies later on with Eleanor's son, Richard the Lionheart. They get on really well. Wow. Weirdly. But, you know, this is a really great way of, like, insulting a woman, right? So, like, it's, it's okay yeah. for her son to be friends with him, right? Yeah. But it's definitely not okay for you as a woman to be having sex with a foreigner who is also a Muslim. The leader of the enemy, quote-unquote enemy. Yeah. And so, like, think about what an incredibly strong accusation.
0: That's a hell of an accusation. That is.
1: Mark. And it's really, really interesting because it isn't people in Eleanor's own time who are saying that, but it's other people in the medieval period. And this is a really popular thing to say into the point that, like, Victorian historians are like, yeah, yeah, I mean, we all remember the time Eleanor of Aquitaine had <gasps> sex with Saladin.
0: Is there any evidence for this at all?
1: None. We don't even think they met. Wow. We have almost nothing on this at all whatsoever. But it's just kind of like, yep, well, if you think a woman is kind of annoying and a little bit overbearing then just throw this out there See, so see what sticks right and this especially kind of comes from like the french side of things where it's like the, these things still kind of get knocked mm. around a little bit like by the english for example so when eleanor marries king henry ii he's like 18 and she's 30
0: Hmm. well played eleanor
1: but for him he's kind of like Milf. yeah like i've married a pin-up girl whatever like time of my life over here but people are kind of like ah, wouldn't she have an affair with her uncle and then there's like another rumor from the English side that she had had an affair with Henry's father as if she'd have had the time I mean apparently all this girl did was just like <laughs> meet powerful men and have sex with them these are all these rumors that kind of get brought up and people are just you know going yeah absolutely so you know that's that's one thing, and we go okay. Sexism, everybody likes to. People hate to see a girl boss winning. They do, as has been noted.
0: Can I take you like right back to her first marriage to Louis? Because I feel that like we kind of mm-hmm. we've we've sort of glossed mm-hmm. over him, and he's not come out of it particularly he's well. He's such a trash <laughs> man. I was going to give you the opportunity there you know, to maybe give him a more <laughs> rounder, you know, a fairer hearing. Uh, who was he? What happened? Uh,
1: no. It's <laughs> just a complete douche from start to finish. I just don't like him. So in this particular one, there's I mean there's so many Louis. We're particularly talking about Louis the 7th.
0: Why don't you like him, Eleanor? What did Louis the 7th do?
1: I don't like, for example, when you do things like blame your wife for not being a very good general. Okay, yeah, that's a right? dick move. It's a dick mm. move. Well, I think it's a dick move to go on crusade. It's very popular at the time. Yeah, but like against all advice, you know, it's the equivalent of being like, you know, a celebrity Mm. at the time. So you've been told you're right your whole life. So if people say, oh, actually, I don't think you can retake Jerusalem on your own with five of your best friends. And he's like, no, sorry, eh, wrong. Okay, so Dick there as well. Yeah, and that's really stupid and, you know, kind of blows the whole thing. And I guess that, you know, I just kind of think he's a little bit overbearing. He ends up working. With Eleanor kind of once in a while, like their kids marry their kids and things like this. They did have kids, didn't they? Yeah, they have a couple of daughters, And in particular, uh, Marie of Champagne, who gets to have a really cool name. And she's like a big supporter of poetry Hmm. and like courtly love genre stuff. So shout out to Marie of Champagne, because a lot of the stuff that I work with is stuff she paid for. So thanks, girl. Appreciate that. But I don't know. He's just kind of weak and selfish, which I think is sort of like the worst thing that a king can be so it wasn't a happy marriage then for your money not at all not at all and like you know he's kind of got that Henry VIII vibe where it's like one of the big reasons he wanted to divorce her is they kept not having sons like that was right. her fault.
0: He wanted to divorce her as well. It wasn't just.
1: Yeah, it was pretty mutual. By the time they got back from the Holy Land, it was just kind of like, this is over. Right. We are done here. We cannot get along at all whatsoever. Yeah, he he's just kind of like a nothing guy. Like he, If you go read about him, he's not one of those French kings that does like a bunch right. of cool stuff. And then like he ends up marrying, you know, someone else. And they're like, it's a great love affair or something like that. So he gets to live happily ever after or what have you. Love
0: him for that. Well done happy for
1: you and Eleanor kind of she has this very complex life
0: so it was easy enough for them to get not divorced somebody it was annulled was it annulled
1: yeah it's annulled yeah yeah so it's annulled due to the the official term is consanguinity so if you're too closely related to somebody it's one of the only reasons that you can get your marriage broken up so it's basically if you ever see any divorces or slash annulments in the middle ages it's almost always consanguinity you can't get it up or you're too closely related. Those are the two reasons why <laughs> you're allowed to get no divorced. Wonder. That's there's it. a lot of
0: people going, I, I think it's the not being too closely related thing here. It's definitely, it's not the mm-hmm. dick thing no. at
1: all. But it's, it's quite funny because after she gets divorced from Louis and marries Henry, like they immediately have a son. Boom. Like immediately. So it's like, mm-hmm. Speaking of dicks that are broken.
0: How did she meet him?
1: She met him as the Queen of France like a few years before they got married or something, you know, like, because technically at the time, it's so complex at at this period in the Middle Ages because the Kings of England are also vassals of the French King because they control Normandy, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're all Norman. Like, they're not really English. They're Norman, right? And so they're like, I'm the King of England and the Duke of Normandy and this, that, and the other. So she would kind of see him on business. Do
0: you think that, like, they were maybe hooking up
1: people have uh, said that they think that henry had the hearts for eleanor like early on and had been like hey girl hey
0: wait 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 didn't you say that like eleanor was 30 and he was 18 so he's like five years old walking around <laughs> no he's like 16 and he's like <laughs>
1: hello has like a tapestry other up on his bedroom wall hello 28 year old. completely <laughs> completely This is the interesting thing, because so basically, as soon as Eleanor gets divorced, immediately there are these attempts to kidnap her because all the other French dukes are like, I'm trying to marry her and I want to be the Duke of Aquitaine because it's so rich (gasps) and so important. So she manages to avoid two kidnapping attempts because like this is it's just like a free for all. It's like, oh, yeah, if you can get hold of her and force her to marry you, then That's great. And so she's the one who kind of goes to Henry and is like, hey, you want to get married? What's up? (laughs) Like, very, very quickly. Because, you know, in in the first place, she kind of like doesn't want the come down, I think, of no longer being queen. But she has to come up with a plan because dudes are out for her. Right. And so, you know, on the one hand, you have all this, oh, yeah, she's a slut. She's having sex with all these men back in the Holy Land. But at the same time, it's like, well, when you see that there's something in it for you, none of that matters. Who was
0: trying to kidnap her? Did they catch who it was?
1: Yeah, there's a, a couple of dukes. Like, give it a go. And she does get kidnapped a few times in her life, but like later on when she's kind of like a grandma and things like that. Yeah. So it's the Duke William of Bordeaux Mm. tries to kidnap Eleanor and a few others besides like this was rather the done thing to kidnap the (laughs) richest woman in France and try to force her to marry you, which is scary. Right. And to us, obviously it's incredibly weird to marry an 18 year old when you're 30, but if your option is being forced to marry someone against your will, otherwise, then this makes real sense. So, you know, think about a world like this a world where when you're quite powerful and you're just sort of like I don't think this is good enough everyone says oh yeah I think you're having sex Mm -hmm. with your uncle but then meanwhile men can try to kidnap you and force you to marry them and like indeed it's the same kind of double standards on show later on because when she is married to Henry II eventually after they have their last child John Henry gets a girlfriend Rosamund Clifton and he's like hey everyone check out my new girlfriend and it's just like straight up having her at court being like everyone say hi to Rosamond." and Eleanor is like yeah I'm going back to Aquitaine bye and like she just straight up leaves England and it's like yeah you have fun with your little girlfriend strong move that's nice for you and people think it's like maybe Henry was trying to insult her enough that she would divorce him and he could marry Rosamond. Were they not happy? I know it's like very rare for medieval royalty to be happily married, but, you know, sometimes they can at least stand each
0: other. They had a bunch of kids, right? Like
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that it's, it's kind of like ups and downs, right? Because they had a ton of kids. And so, you know, it was going well enough, I guess. They really kind of have, let's see, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight Holy they have eight shit kids balls.
0: and she's like well into her 30s by this point well played
1: yeah so she really yeah. she's cranking them out <laughs> like it's, just, it's a clown car type <laughs> of situation in terms of kids so you know they're doing something right uh-huh. enough right and it's fractious you know as i say at a point in time the sons revolt against henry and eleanor is like <laughs> get his ass <laughs> You know, like, see
0: that's a very uncomfortable family christmas there isn't it <laughs> yeah They have all of these kids. How old was she when Henry went, oh, have you met my girlfriend, Rosamond?
1: So Eleanor's 46 when things start to kind of unravel between her and Henry. So, you know, if you think about it, that's a kid every two years. <sighs>
0: that is a tired royal vagina right there.
1: Uh-huh. And royal marriage isn't about love. No. Like, it's not. Like, it's it's a business deal, and that's what this is about. And by all accounts, Eleanor doesn't particularly care that Henry's in love with someone else. She's like... Sounds great, buddy. This is a wonderful chance for me to go to France and have a nice time. See ya.
0: You get to be royal and not have sex with your husband. That, that sounds fucking amazing.
1: I mean, that's ideal. <laughs> but that's living the dream. Like, incredibly, incredible. Don't threaten me with a good time hours. Oh, right? Oh no, <laughs> I'll just sit over here at my gold throne. And but meanwhile, here's the problem: is that Henry the Young King, who would have been Henry the Third, he decides. That he's sort of like the equivalent of like a rugby buff head. He's like really into jousting. He's like a very well known sports celebrity.
0: I have an image in my mind.
1: Right. You know the guy. But he decides that his dad isn't giving him enough power and that he's going to revolt against him. And Eleanor's like, haha, have fun, kids. And so he goes out in revolt. Richard Lionheart goes out in revolt. And they're like, we're going to beat up our dad or whatever.
0: Why did they do this? What was the reason?
1: They just kind of feel like, so Henry the Young King had been crowned king, but had no actual power. And he still had to like go to his dad every time he wanted money.
0: Yeah, that is weird. Why had he been crowned?
1: It's really unusual. It's because basically Henry II was kind of worried that there might be people coming for the throne. And that seems strange. But the thing is, we'd just come out of the period known as the Anarchy, when Henry's mother, the Empress Matilda, had been fighting his uncle- the king Stephen for control of the throne. So basically he was like, I want to make it clear it's going to be one of my sons. I'm with you. No matter what. So if you do the ceremony, then it's like we know who the next king is going to be. But he's like, and now why don't you go go have fun at the joust? But the young Henry doesn't want to come and ask for money every time he wants to go jousting again, right? And then Eleanor is like, Yeah, fight your dad (laughs) or whatever. So anyway, the boys revolt and Henry wins. Which Henry
0: Big Henry or little Henry.
1: Yeah, big Henry, the ex-husband wins. And we think now that here kind of Eleanor steps in. Historians are divided about this because one or the other things happen. Either Henry arrests Eleanor, Henry II arrests Eleanor and is all like, this is all your fault, woman. You go to jail now. And he brings her back to England and imprisons her in a series of castles. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is Eleanor might have gone to Henry and been like, ah, don't be mad at the boys. (laughs) Boys will be boys. And maybe Eleanor went and was like, dude, just blame me. Right. I'll go hang out in the castles for a number of years. I'm quite tired. I would like to retire. And if you could send me to Sarum, my favorite castle, that'd be great. Thanks.
0: How old is she here? When the castle plan gets put into place.
1: Yeah, she's in her 50s at this point.
0: I think this is a good plan. When I'm in my 50s, then I'll just stay in this massive castle. That doesn't sound that bad to me.
1: You know, they did have family Christmases. Like They'd kind of like bring her out at Christmas. And then occasionally later, when there would be trouble in France or something, Henry would be like, Eleanor, can you go deal with that? And she'd be like, yeah, sure thing. So it really kind of depends on who you ask, because we're not exactly sure. Either they absolutely hated each other, and this is like a hostage situation, or... Eleanor is like, yeah, I'm retired and, you know, I get on with my ex and we share goals and we work towards those things, right?
0: Co-parenting.
1: Yeah, exactly. Think about, like, the ex-wives mm. in succession. And I've got <laughs> you're yeah. kind of like that, right? Yeah, and so it's this really interesting thing because it's difficult for us to tell because obviously nobody writes down, oh, and actually they get on pretty well or whatever. You have full-on wars. You have accusations of infidelity on one side, actual infidelity on the other side. But weirdly, for years, it's kind of like the way that people talk about Eleanor over and over and over is that she's just this terrible monster mm. woman right and it's only kind of in you know the 20th century that we've started coming around to the fact that like actually she's cool as hell and incredibly powerful you know she ends up buried next to her husband she's buried next to you know henry the second
0: can't have been that strongly disliked then i mean to have ended up there like she had no say in that they could have just chucked her out you know in the wheelie bin but they didn't so presumably
1: yeah but they did it And, you know, so it's like life is long and relationships are complex, especially medieval ones between kings and queens right
0: what happened to the sons like they go oh we're gonna have a big revolt and a big fight with our dad and then he kicks her <laughs> and then is it just like oh right go and stand in the corner
1: and think about what you have done and then like oh i'm really sorry he basically like buys them off it's kind of like i'm the cool divorce dad <laughs> like come <laughs> hang out with me and your stepmom <laughs> and he like increases the young henry's allowance he goes to richard the Lionheart, you know you can take care of aquitaine because like your mom's under arrest now or whatever so that's for you Everyone gets a little bit more money. The little King John, he gets some more lands. But the little King John was like with Henry the whole time. We think we know who the favorites are. King John is Henry II's favorite. And Richard the Lionheart was Eleanor's favorite. So, you know, basically he just buys them all off. And they're like, new toys. Cool. You know, and they're just like, see you at Christmas, mom. (laughs) You know, like off they go. It's really interesting, too, because it's like provided you can come up with a scapegoat. And oh, a woman as the scapegoat as well, that's incredibly powerful because everybody knows that women are bad and idiots.
0: The history has just blamed Eleanor for this whole insane family
1: bust-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're only kind of now realizing that probably she wants us to think of it that way because she's like, well, we can't get the boys in trouble, right? Because then, like, who's going to take over all this stuff? When we die, like, someone has to get on the throne and how are we going to accomplish that?
0: What's our evidence for that? Like this kind of like much overdue reappraisal of who Eleanor of Aquitaine was. What is the evidence that you as historians are working with that that kind of makes you go, actually, actually, maybe she was, you know, kind of protecting her boys here.
1: Well, the things that we really kind of think about is, again, like the fact that Henry is trotting her out for business purposes.
0: Yeah, that's quite compelling.
1: Mm -hmm. And so if she was really that much of a problem, you wouldn't be like, hey, can you pop over to Normandy? No. really quickly for me. So there's that. And then when uh, Richard the Lionheart becomes king, the first thing that he does is he's like, let my mom out of jail. And like, you know, the guys go over there to like free Eleanor or whatever. And she's already like walking around like, hey. So like, it wasn't that serious of a situation. And, um, you know, th- then there's kind of like mixed reviews because, you know, Richard the Lionheart basically never does anything in England. ever. Like he, he'd he only ever been to England like three or four times. And then Eleanor is essentially ruling England while he goes on crusade and gets himself killed. And then John kind of takes over after that. And Eleanor is still kind of keeping an eye on that entire situation. So it's also quite interesting, like when you think about, uh, for example, Robin Hood legends, right, which all kind of revolve around. Oh, and then, you know, the country was lawless while Richard the Lionheart was away and King John was so bad, da, 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 da. That also kind of is eliding the fact that Eleanor of Aquitaine, one of like the most together rulers of the Middle Ages, was actually the one looking after the country. Uh Thank you very much. Right. And interestingly, that just doesn't enter the legend at all whatsoever. And sure, there's like a lot of problems between like the nobles and kings and taxation is a minefield in the Middle Ages. But when we buy into that, oh, yeah, yeah, like evil King John thing, it's like, well, what about the fact that he wasn't king at the time?
0: I did hear another rumour about Eleanor of Aquitaine, and mm-hmm. this might just be a bullshitty rumour, but I heard that she bumped off Henry's mistress.
1: Yeah, that is like one of the big ones. And so, OK, this came up a lot, especially in the Middle Ages. And you know who else loved this? The Victorians. Oh,
0: they just fuck everything up. I love them. But oh, what they've they done to medieval history is, wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the rumours about Eleanor bumping off Rosamond they vary from she had like someone poison her which is kind of like Mm. the standard what you would expect someone to say about a a medieval woman killing someone to she had someone hold her down in a bathtub and then eleanor went in there and like slit her wrists and like held her under the it's like yeah she wouldn't do that she she's got the money she'd pay someone yeah like are you joking eleanor has better things to do with her time and it's a really interesting one because it's like predicated on the idea that eleanor cared at all yeah Right. And it's like jealous of her husband, where it's kind of like, well, no. And and sure, she was probably frustrated with it. It's probably it's embarrassing. Right. To have your husband flaunt his mistress, which is supposed to be like illegal. And the church isn't supposed to let you do that. But, you know, she wasn't going to ask for a divorce because, you know, why should she? She can just go back to France and be like, all right, have fun. Bye. Yeah. I'll see ya. You know, I'm about to go, like, inspire several balladeers to write uh, songs for me, so have fun with your little mistress or whatever.
0: It's not like medieval queens wouldn't have been perfectly aware that their husbands would have had bits on the side. I mean, parading them at court is is a different matter, but... That's the thing.
1: That's where Henry kind of has gone fair. one step up. And really interestingly, the Victorians were so into Roseman. There's like all this poetry, like, oh, the most beautiful rose of the world. Like medieval people are a little bit more like, whoa, yeah that's uncalled for. And they all mm. slut shame her. But Victorians are like, what a great chick she must have been. Wow. Wow. Seduce the king. And she was just so pretty. And it's like, as opposed to Eleanor, who was like also a babe, right? Was she a babe? What's been written about what she looked like? Anytime they would mention her, they'd be like, and she's very hot. And now this can be confusing from a medieval standpoint, right? Because you have to understand that when we're talking about women Uh, one of the things that makes it kind of okay that you're a powerful woman is being beautiful right because the medieval conception of being beautiful is that like you're aligned with god so if someone is really beautiful they are aligned with nature which is to be aligned with god and so you kind of see that as having a sort of divine right so like being a really beautiful queen means oh yeah you definitely deserve to be queen because look how hot you are god loves you Mm. that's my tinder profile Yeah, exactly. God must love me. See how hot I am. Please form an orderly queue. And that's kind of like one thing that's going on there is where people are reaffirming she definitively has a right to rule, right? Because she's an absolute babe. So like, why wouldn't you want her to be the queen? Now, uh, we do know a little bit more about it Where, like, basically, she's described at an ugly age. An ugly age? age? No. (laughs) (laughs) She's an ugly. She's described at a young age as being a per pulchra, which is more than beautiful. The uh, troubadour Bernard de Ventador says that she was gracious, lovely, and the embodiment of charm, is what they say about her. We don't really know, though, anything about what she looked like looked like because medieval people don't really write down oh someone had this color of hair someone had this color of skin really it's kind of starts happening right when Eleanor was alive and it's more common in poetry and things like that writing down descriptions of what people looked like is a much later medieval invention so we don't know what color hair she had we don't know what color of her eyes are we know what the effigy on her tomb looks like and that's about all we've got. So whether or not that's kind of like poetic or not, we don't know. But everyone talks about how hot she is. And medieval people are just weird like that. They're just like, yeah, she's beautiful. And describing it would be useless. Now, I can say that they're in the mind of a medieval person. There's one way to be beautiful, which is like blonde, receding hairline, grey eyes, white skin. Bit of a belly. A bit of a belly, small tits, big ass. See, I missed my era. I'd have been such a medieval know. babe. I, absolutely, you know, like take me back. We must return. <laughs> we still do
0: that though, to a certain amount. I was, i was just thinking, I would recorded an episode a couple of days ago with Lenore Wright about the history of Barbie, and she made it a really strong case that Barbie is actually an incredible, powerful female figure. She had over 200 jobs. She's been an astronaut, and this, this, this. but it's all softened by the fact that she's incredibly beautiful that it creates it's sort of like the Mm -hmm. soft launch of the really powerful woman it's less threatening if it's like but she does have nice tits too for some like we still do that
1: oh yeah absolutely so you know we have this right they're like oh it's okay if she's hot, like it's not OK, like, a woman, I, I would argue that it'd be really, really difficult for Eleanor to attain the level of power that she had if she hadn't been beautiful, because just being like a really, really smart and precocious woman who's considered ugly. Sorry, but you're not going to get to marry the King of France and then the King of England and then, you know, be kind of, like, allowed to do whatever it is you want and wander around, like, that's just not how it's going to be. You have to have that beauty to justify why it is you're there and also to, like, give the men something that their little (laughs) brains can handle,
0: I suppose. So how do things end up for Eleanor then? She was under castle arrest, which doesn't sound that horrendous, with occasional Mm -hmm. trips to France to sort out um, an insurgency and some weird family Christmases. Mm -hmm. How do things end for Eleanor?
1: So when the boys take over the throne, she still stays pretty involved in the lives of her family. She, you know, rules England, as I say, while Richard the Lionheart's away after he dies and John takes the throne. She's still really involved in family matters. So, for example, when her daughter, Eleanor of England, the Queen of Castile, one of her daughters gets sent to marry into the throne of France and Eleanor is the one who goes down there. Picks which daughter it's going to be, and then like escorts her across the Pyrenees up into France, and then eventually she takes the very common kind of form of ultimate retirement for queens, which is that she joins a nunnery and dies there, and that's very common. I didn't know that. Very common when you're like, okay, I am sick of this. Like, I cannot get kidnapped <laughs> one more time because, like, Eleanor, hundred percent, gets like kidnapped to try to get her granddaughter yeah, up to France, and she's just like, I am done. I'm no more kidnappings. That is it. I'd join a nunnery too. Bit of quiet, like a nice little garden for you to tend.
0: Although it probably wasn't like that for Eleanor, though, was it? Eleanor in a nunnery was probably not like I'm envisioning a nunnery to be.
1: Yeah. The thing is, there are pretty posh nunneries, right? So you can go and like, basically what will happen then is that you are allowed to kind of like say your prayers, read a lot, sing. There's all of your dinners. You're not going to get kidnapped by anyone. And it's kind of in many ways, it's sort of like a retirement home for older women. It's incredibly common if you have any money at all whatsoever to be like, I'm out. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And that's where she ends up dying at the ripe old age of 82. Wow. She hung in there. Mm -hmm. She hung in there. Like, imagine that you're 78 and you just got kidnapped again. Like, you'd be like, you know what? It's the nunnery. Thank you.
0: (laughs) I mean, it depends who's doing the kidnapping, right? But yeah.
1: Oh, I guess that's true.
0: I think (laughs) I'd still opt for the nunnery. Just a bit of a quiet life. I can't be doing with being kidnapped at that age, no. My final question to you about this rather spectacular woman, who I, I didn't know all this stuff about her. I really didn't. So I'm so glad that you're here. Was she well liked at the time? Because historians have done all kinds of things with her reputation. But like at the time, if you were a medieval person,
1: did people like her? Interestingly, her subjects in France really like her quite popular in Aquitaine for quite some time. Uh, Definitely seen as a steady hand on the tiller when Richard is away on Crusade. Everyone is like, yep, great, let's get her in. And definitely well-liked within her family, certainly, because, you know, this is the reason why, you know, she's shepherding granddaughters various places. So she's got a pretty good relationship with most of her kids and she's got, you know, like her subjects kind of on side of her. It's more like well, yeah, you know, you divorce the king of France and then, you know, his friends are like, she's a slut, <laughs> how it sucks with her uncle. I never liked her anyway. Yeah, I didn't like her anyway, you know, and the king has his new mistress and she's moved off to France. You can be like, yeah, your ex-wife, what a <laughs> bitch or something. And he'll be like, I know, right? High five, you know, and this kind of thing until you need a favor. Right. So it's kind of a mixed bag is the answer. But one of the things that everybody says about her is that she was really, really fun at parties. She was like a really great company. And so she's actually pretty well liked by other nobles and things because, you know, she's the life of the party and very well read, speaks a lot of languages, knows all these things. So, yeah, it it all really depends on who you ask. But if you can find someone impartial, they're generally pro-Eleanor.
0: Oh, and Eleanor, you have just been amazing to talk to. I have so much
1: fun talking to you. Speaking about being pro-Eleanor. Hey. (laughs) Hey. Hey. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. And a huge thank you to Kate for being the best as usual. This has been Gone Medieval from History Hit. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to rate, review, follow the podcast, and tell your friends about it. If you fancy suggesting an episode, you can drop us an email at gonemedieval at historyhit.com. Otherwise, I'll be back again next Tuesday for another episode and my co-host Matt Lewis will be back on Friday. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gone Medieval. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out and you'll be doing me a big favour. Don't forget you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com forward slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can also get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use the code medieval at checkout.